Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 138. Hope everybody's having a great weekend out there. We're having a great week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters in beautiful central Kentucky. Uh, We have a great interview for you today. I am going to be joined by uh, uh, Lucas Garcia of a fantastic up-and-coming band called Down Again, and that's going to be right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best-kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined by Lucas Garcia today. Lucas is a young up-and-coming drummer uh, that's out in California. His band, Down Again, has been at it for a while, but they have a brilliant new EP out. Uh, I have been just ripping on this thing for the last couple of weeks Um, This is a band that everybody should know. They're working really, really hard. It is great hard rock uh, slash emo, I guess uh, it would be fair to call it, or post-emo. Just if you like your rock uh, fully leaded, this is your band. Uh, These guys are great, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this. So please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle, Lucas Garcia. Hey, good afternoon, Lucas. How's it going, brother? Going good. Good, man. Good. How are uh, how are things in sunny California today? Oh, I wish it was sunny, man. It's smoke central over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm in Northern California right now, so the fires are just going crazy, and it's been smoke skies for probably the last month and a half. 
Yeah, man. I, I know that's like a real big deal out there right now. And, you know, we've got peeps in the, you know, uh, Lake Tahoe area. They're, they're having a hard time with it, man. We're, we're sending our best thoughts to all you guys out there that, that this stuff ends quickly. For sure. Yeah, man, we need it to end. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, so, um, thanks for taking time to come on the drum shuffle. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to get to all the cool stuff that you have going on right now, but, uh, as is our tradition here on the podcast, we're going to start at the very beginning. Uh, now you're, a, you're a young cat. So, uh, l- let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Where, uh, it, where is home and how did you get into drumming to begin with? Oh man. So drumming for me started, I might've been, uh, it was either 12, 11 or 12. Um, you know, my family's from East Bay, so we're east of San Francisco. And my dad has always been a music guy his whole life. He He's played guitar, pianos, drums, uh, anything that he can get his hands on, he's played his whole life. But me and my brother and my sister, we never really took a liking to it as a kid. Not at all. Even though he was out there rocking out all day long, we never really took interest. And then one day, he brought home a drum set. And I came in the garage, and I was like, oh. And I was lucky, because I was actually, thankfully, my dad, since he was a music guy, he didn't really waste any expense so he brought home um it was a pdp it was a concept series and it's actually the drum set so my very first drum set is the drum set i still have today and play live with but uh it was a pdp um concept series uh it was like the natural wood in the middle and then it faded to black i mean on the edges of the of the drums and he brought that home and i was like i have to play this and then just from then on it's just smashing the drums man he uh he used to make us play like 80s rock because that's what he was into so the first, I don't know, like a couple of years of drumming, honestly, was just 80s rock, man. He would, uh, he would want to play like Pink Floyd and, and ACDC solo. So I would play them on the drums. My brother would, uh, uh, after I learned the drums, he, he would learn like, he learned like guitar. So my brother would play the rhythm and then I was playing the songs on drums and my dad was doing all the leads. And we did that for a while until I started, you know, finding different kinds of music and just, uh, expanded my drumming from there. So that, was around oh, 2000 and I was in like fifth or no six or seven grade. It was like 2006 or 2007 or so when I really started. Okay, cool, man. Well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, for kids that grow up in a musical household, it makes all the difference. You know, I mean, I, I've said, I don't know how many times, you know, my, my mother is certainly, uh, you know, up for sainthood because I tortured the crap out of her with drumming, you know, just hours and hours a day. But having your dad be a music guy, I, I'm sure that kind of shaped you as a player in those early years, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, it definitely shapes you. And, and um, thankfully, it shaped you. We started with 80s rock, you know, which is like if I had to, to really pick good roots. Uh, but yeah, it does shape you, you know, cause my dad did have his preferences, you know, growing up, all I heard was, you know, ACDC, Journey, uh, Pink Floyd. So when you start off playing those kind of songs, it does, you know, influence your, the way you go into the future. Cause then when I started learning different genres, like alternative rock and then more hardcore, post-hardcore genres, I was always had that, you know, eighties rock root. So it kind of always stemmed from there and then went forward. Um, so yeah, it definitely plays a role in, you know, like how you progress. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, did you do any kind of formal lessons or, or anything like that? Or was it literally just jamming with dad? Well, thankfully, you know, my dad taught me like a four count and then a six, eight count. And it says, these are the two basics. Just learn these and you'll be good. But once I learned those beats, 
I just looked at the drums, man, and I was like, there's only, like, at the time I was just playing, um, what was it? It was five-piece. And I was like, there's only, like, you know, five drums to hit, and then I had, I had two cymbals, a ride and a crash, and then my hi-hat. So I was like, there's only a couple things to hit. So when I was listening to music, um, it was just really easy for me to copy what I heard, uh, just because I was like, there's not that many different combinations, you know, um, or what just for the music I was listening to at the time. And so, no, I never took any lessons, man. I just listened to different music and would just try to copy the music as best I could. Um, and then I was lucky that I was able to. I know a lot of people, that sounds like crazy. Like, I, I guess that would be pretty hard. But for me, it was relatively easy to copy the music. Uh, so that's just kind of where I started, man. I just listened to more and more music that had, you know, more technical drumming. Because I remember listening to 80s rock, it, the drumming's fairly simple. But then you start listening to alternative rock, and all of a sudden it's more drivey, the fills are faster. I'm like, whoa, like, I didn't know you could do fills like this. And I'll try to copy it, and it just grew from there. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I think... You know, I mean, I'm a self-taught drummer and it was much the same for me. Now, of course, I'm a lot older than you, uh, you know, but same for me, you know, grew, grew up on 80s rock and, and early 90s rock. But, you know, I, I I don't know how I want to say this, but like just putting on my favorite CDs or records or whatever and just shedding for hours and hours if you can figure that stuff out, you have a pretty good vocabulary to then be able to play in a band situation, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's kind of the building blocks, you know, if you can, if you can cop what, you know, Steve Smith was doing in journey, you've got a pretty good base to then, you know, sit down with, with your buds from school or whatever and, and come up with some stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, when did you first start branching out and doing kind of your own thing, your own garage bands? And I, I'm assuming your dad probably encouraged that, but you know, how old were you when you started, you know, getting buds from school over to play with? Oh man, it's, uh, literally 13. So it was weird because it was always one of those things where I'd always just played at my house and at school, it never really came up in conversation that like, Oh yeah, I played the drums. You know what I mean? It's never, I never really saw it as like that kind of a social aspect. And then, all of a sudden I found out one of my friends played guitar. I was like, wait, you play guitar? And then my other friend was like, yeah, I have a drum set at my house. And I was like, wait, you have a drum set at your house? You play guitar? I was like, oh yeah. So it was uh, 13, so I was like seventh grade, seventh, eighth grade is when we first started getting those little garage jam sessions. And let me tell you, they were pretty bad at first. You know, like the guitars would just be smashing some power chords and I'd just be smashing a four count. And who knows, like if we were in tune or on beat or anything. But uh, yeah, so around... 13 years old for me was when I first started doing all the just jam sessions and man, those are some of the most fun times of my life. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I mean, that's, that's when you're learning how to do it, right? I mean, that's you're, you're, you're building, uh, you know, those are the building blocks of, you know, creating who you are on the instrument. Um, did you know right away when you first started playing that you wanted to chase this as a career or, or did that just kind of happen? Um, if I'm being honestly, like when looking back, I, I, I did instantly know, but I would even say it was even before that, man. Cause I remember, um, I've been obsessed with music for even before I was interested in playing instruments. I don't know why there was like a disconnect when I was a little kid, I would just be so obsessed with listening to one album in particular, this Pyromania by Def Leppard. I don't know why that one as a kid was just like the greatest album ever written to me. And I would just listen to it in my room for hours, just pretending to rock out on a guitar, pretending to sing, pretending to drum, all this stuff. 
But for some reason, I didn't really connect to the dots that like I could actually learn the instrument until my dad, you know, brought home that drum set one day. Um, so I, as soon as I started playing, I, it was official. Like I knew for sure I was going to play forever. I was going to do whatever I could to make music. But there was definitely like seeds earlier than that. You know, like if I had gotten the drums earlier, I, I would have known earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think most guys know instantly, like this is something I have to do the rest of my life. And, yeah. you, you know, I mean, I just think it's, it's either part of you or it's not right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, I, I just remember it like clear as day. It's almost, I don't want to say it's a burden, but it's all of a sudden like, like, I'm like, this is it. Like, this is all that matters. I just need to do this. It doesn't matter what else I do. As long as I'm doing this in some form, as long as I'm making music, playing the drums, playing guitar, whatever it is, in some form, like that's what I have to do. And it's like, from then on, it's like super hyper-focused on it. And it's just such a weird love because it's like almost like, like unrealistically passionate. It's like, it was like, come on now, maybe it's time to stop. It's like, I can never stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I certainly don't want to make this about me, but, you know, I decided the same thing very early on and everybody was like, yeah, but you, you still have to go to school, you know, you got to have a, you know, a a, a plan B or whatever. And by the time I was in high school, I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing homework anymore. You know, I, I, that, (laughs) that time is much better spent practicing the instrument than like, you know, doing us history or whatever. Um, (laughs) you know, so uh, hindsight being 2020, I probably should have paid a little bit more attention, but you know, I, I mean, it's just, it became such a part of my life that nothing was going to get in the way of that. I wanted to be as good as I could possibly be. And I didn't have time for anything else, you know, for football or baseball or, or anything. It was all about drumming, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, crazy. That's, we have similar stories there. Cause I remember I actually played sports every year up until I got that drum set, man. And as soon as I got that drum set, I didn't care about sports at all. I was not, no more soccer team, no more football, no nothing, man. I just, I just, I, was, I couldn't imagine coming home or getting off school and then going to practice anymore. I was like, I need to get off school and go play the drums. Like I can't, I can't waste time at soccer practice. Like I got to go home and play the drums. Like, so I, I, that's crazy. It's a very similar story for me too. Yeah. Well, I mean, ditto. And you know, what's funny, and I'm not picking on anybody here, but what's funny is parents will support their kids' athletic endeavors, you know, to a, to a very high degree, even though, you know, what are the chances of being a well-paid professional athlete? Like one in two billion or something. I mean, it's like yeah. to make a living as a professional athlete, you have to be the elite of the elite you have a better chance as, uh, of making it in the arts than you do as a well-paid athlete. Yet parents will focus on the athletics and not the arts. I don't, I don't understand what that disconnect is, but there is one. Absolutely, man. It drives me crazy because the way I see it too, I know people that are 80 years old and they still play the guitar or they still play their instrument. I don't know any 80-year-olds who play football. That's yep. all I'm saying. I know uh, my <laughs> A lot of people will yell at me even saying that I'm a huge sports fan. I love sports. You know, the singer of our band, Lenny, is the most diehard football guy I've ever met in my life. But all I know is you don't play football when you're 80, and you can play the guitar or the drums when you're 80. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, man, for sure. And that's such a good point, you know. So, 
I, I just think that that we as a society, we focus on things that that aren't going to matter later in life. But I think if if kids nowadays, you know, arts in the schools, you know, we should develop that, you know, encourage kids to be dancers or actors oh, or, or musicians. Instead, we encourage them to be baseball players or basketball mm-hmm. stars. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. I think those are all great things. But to your point, if you want something that you can do the rest of your life that will bring you a lot of joy, I think the arts are where that is, not, you know, being a a great linebacker, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's such a great outlet for more than just, you know, for, say, future joy. Um, As a kid, man, it would have been a great, like, uh, outlet, like to, re- to release aggression to release sadness or to release happiness or anything, man. You know, it's such a great outlet to display or to portray a different emotion or to just engage in your own emotions differently than anything else, honestly, any activity, whether it's, you know, even if you're educating your thing is a sports or if it's going on hikes or bike rides or whatever it is, it's like music is just a, such a separate thing and it's, it allows you to engage in like mentally engage in a way the other activities just can't can't quite do yeah man you're you're spot on for sure so now i i know that you know you guys um in in down again you guys have been together for a while now um and you're again you know you're a young dude and, and i'm not taking anything away certainly but i'm assuming you met those cats when you were a youngster i mean when did when did the the seeds of the band get planted? How old were you when you guys first got together? So actually, I wish we were younger, man. But I was a senior in high school, so it's actually a little bit later than we'd want. We would, if I could, man. Like we always joke about it. Like it just, if we would have known each other sooner, man, who knows where we could have been? Because it's we knew all the same people. It's like I don't know how we all had like like different friends that like connected us and we just for some reason were never at the same place at the same time never really connected until uh you know my senior year so it was around 2012 is when i met lenny and i had actually known um alex our bass player before that because he's been in bands and i've been in bands and we played shows together and stuff like that but uh when i met lenny 2012 is when we first started you know we were actually in, it was a different band at the time but me and lenny were jamming i was the drums and he was guitar singing and then we brought on alex as a bass player and we played together for years under that one band name. And then we just decided that the group wanted to go a different direction musically, even though it was the same three people, we just decided that we wanted to play different kind of music. And so we just switched to down again and kind of let that, that old band, you know, live, live to bed, but the same exact members just started down again and just kept making music of it, uh, in a different style. So it's been, uh, since 2012, it's almost 10 years, man. It's been a long time. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, so, you know, I, I don't want to gloss anything over, but but talk to me about, you know, when you guys decided to kind of go in a different direction genre wise. Um, I, I know that all three of you guys sing, um, you know, and, and handle some vocal duties. Was it just you started writing different kinds of music or was it a conscious decision? Talk our listeners through that a little bit. Okay. So our first project as a group, the three of us was called um, forever for a second. And that was an alternative rock band. 
I'm like really, really true to the alternative, like did not go outside of the lines, like just alternative rock, you know, to a T. And we do love alternative rock or we did love alternative rock at the time because we were in, I I was in high school, just getting out. Lenny had just gotten out of high school um, and we really liked alternative rock, but it was a more of a conscious decision to make alternative rock music for a lot of reasons. We were like, what is a genre of music that we love that could appeal to the masses? There was a, a part of us that was trying to be strategic as, you know, making this a business. Like what is a way for us to make music that we love and get as big as possible, quote unquote. And, you know, we did that for years. Um, we wrote alternative rock songs, but that's a little bit like disingenuous, you know, trying to make music to appeal to the majority of people, like, like with the purpose of doing that, we just found everything was kind of dull, you know, in my opinion, I can't speak for them, but everything was a little bit dull and the, that we kind of just like didn't fall apart, but our passion for music, at least for that band, just crumbled away. And man, like we were, we would play the songs at shows and like, we'd tell each other, like, I don't even like these songs. Like I don't <laughs> like what these songs are even about all this stuff. Like, and we got to a point to where like, we just didn't know what to do as that band anymore. Cause like, it's just not what we wanted anymore. So, we did start writing more music though. Cause we always write music and then the new music was so different. We just basically decided like, we are not going to have any, um, absolutely no cage around our music, whatever the hell I want to write is what's going to be written. You know, we no boundaries, no cage, no limits. And then we started writing music and somehow the three of us just naturally like writing music that we absolutely wanted to write without anything you know, pulling or pushing it in any direction. It all happened to be in this similar vein in in a vein that we could, you know, twist into an album. We're like, oh, wow, this is insane that all three of us are writing music that just goes perfectly together. And there's absolutely nothing, you know, influencing us or nothing pulling or pushing us into this direction. We just wanted to write the music that we wanted to listen to. Um, we don't care. We weren't trying to think of like, you know, oh, how many people could we get to listen to this? We didn't care about any of that stuff. We just wanted to write music. And then we're listening to these, you know, at the time when we had four new songs and they're just so different than the old band. And we mentally were in such a different place. Like what we wanted to do musically, like we, we felt a little more free because now there was like, no, we weren't trying to fit in any lane or anything like that. We just wanted to write music. So we, we felt like it was time for the old project to just, you know, to just rest in peace and to start a new project with these new core four songs and, uh, branch from there and so that's when down again was was really born um when we really decided to to step away into the new project and from there man we turned that four songs into we wrote 21 songs all together um and then we had to cut that down to 13 songs to fit into our first album and so I, once we once we took the uh you know the chains off once we took the the breaks off man and just wrote the music that we wanted to write it's just like just the amount of songs that we were writing is just insane man so just because we, we put out 21 or we wrote 21 songs for originally to, to pick from for our first record, it just lets me know that like, we're definitely doing the right thing. If the music's really pouring out of us like that fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of giggling to myself because your band's story sounds just like my band's story, right? I mean, seriously, it's, it's so many parallels, but you know, I think so many young musicians, when they start their first band that's serious, you know, they, and I'm not saying this happened to you, but, you know, I got caught up in the, 
you know, people saying, well, you know, I don't really hear a hook. I, I don't know that that would get played on the radio or, you know, so you're trying to satisfy all these outside influences when what you need to do is satisfy yourself. And, you know, in, in our case, you know, we released our first record in 1998 and the comparisons range from like the Allman Brothers band to Van Halen. And you can't. Oh, it's math. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't find anything any different than those two comparisons, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, it was just like, we're going to write whatever the hell we want to write. And if people like it, great. But if not, we didn't sell out to the man, right? We, we didn't, yes. you know, we, we didn't just try to, to, you know, pander to our audience. We're, we're going to do what we want to do. And I think that comes through in, in down again's music, you know, it's, it's pure. Um, so congratulations on making that decision. I think it was the right one for your band. No, thank you. Yeah, it was, a uh, yeah, it was, it was an easy decision to make because we were just like, okay, we both or the three of us, like we all want to play music for the rest of our lives. We're all going to make records for the rest of our lives, whether we have 10 listeners or 10,000 listeners, and so we just started writing music, man, and whatever, whatever we thought. Because like, once we eliminated the the idea of like we need to get listeners, it was just so easy and felt so free to make that kind of music and just make the music that we wanted, man. And it feels so much better, you know, playing songs that we're just like deeply passionate about, um, songs that are just fun for us to play that we enjoy than it is playing songs that we don't necessarily enjoy just because we're trying to appease a crowd. So it's ten thousand times better than now than what it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to satisfy yourself first as an artist and then the the rest of it will come. You know, I mean, if you're if you're putting out good stuff, people are going to hear it and and they're going to follow you around, you know. So uh so so kudos to you guys. So, um I, you guys first hit my radar. It's not been all that long ago, but you know, I was checking out, you know, the 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 new single, uh the new video um, which it's pre, it called predisposed. Um, and I want to say that hit the street just like a week or so ago. Is that right? Yeah, it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, on the worst, but yeah, we released that. And I think we waited like three weeks or so, or possibly four weeks before we dropped the, the actual EP. But yeah, it was sometimes a couple weeks ago. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, when I checked out the video, I mean, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it was probably before your time, but I remember when MTV actually showed music videos all the time, you know, like that was a, I do remember <laughs> that was like a big thing. Like if you didn't have a good video, but I, I checked out the video and a lot of bands are doing that now just to kind of build buzz. And there's so many, you know, YouTube viewers out there. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really looking at the screen. Like I wanted to hear the music. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And then I went back and watched the video with the music. And I was like, man, these guys, this is really cool. It's a really cool, you know, full package. So talk to me a little bit about the, the evolution of the band and this new EP that you guys have out. It sounds killer, um, you know, where did these songs come from? Have they been around for a while or are they all new songs? You know, just kind of walk us through the new project here. So, um, yeah, the new project, the EP, we did, we definitely attacked this EP a little bit harder than, um, our full length, our debut album. 
Um, just because we had a little bit more finances, we had more time to spend on each individual song. We had, you know, more money to put towards music videos, stuff like that. But, um, most of the songs on the EP, so there is a five song EP. There's a song called Fire, a song called Predisposed, a song called Your Words, a song called Gray, and a song called Can't Make This Right. Um, between the five, two of them, so Your Words and, uh, The Fire were actually a part of the first 21 songs we ever wrote that got cut from the first album. I see. Um, at the time, those two songs weren't quite ready because they were the ones that were the least finished out of the 21. Um, there's a couple elements missing and we just didn't know if we had time to, to finish them. And if we did finish them, we didn't know if they were going to be the best that they could be. So basically just push them aside and say, okay, we'll just, we'll cut those off the record. We'll just focus on these other 13. I'll go from there. I got um, you. So release the first 13. And after that first record came out, you know, we were, we were just writing more music and we still had a bunch of, we were still writing songs and some of them were definitely way different than the first record. And then some of them were like, man, these really feel like the first record we put out, you know, like they're still in that vein. We still, like, we still got stuff to say, you know, based off of what that first album was. And that's kind of where, you know, the EP was born because we still had a few songs that wouldn't really fit on a full length album too. Um, they didn't fit on the first record at the time, but now that we had some more time to finish them and to, and to shape them, they just, they really felt like they belonged with this first record. So we were like, Hey man, we still got some stuff to say, you know, in the vein of that first album. So that's when we wrote, um, or finished writing, can't make this right. Gray and predisposed. Um, cause once we kind of knew that these songs were going to be, you know, tying into the, the first record, as far as just to close that cycle, uh, we just all of a sudden had like, we knew what direction we wanted to go with them. And then they were really easy to finish. So, um, that's when we started finishing the songs like lyrically, cause just to kind of make them all work out together. So predisposed can't make writing gray were written not that long ago. At this point, it's still probably about over a year ago is when they were written, but I mean, gray and I mean, sorry, your words and fire were written quite literally in like 2017. So those okay. ones, they got shelved for a long time, but I'm very happy to see them out and about now. Yeah, well, and and something that you're going to find the longer you guys play, you know, we we all in the music business, we do this backwards, right? We we write songs, we go into the studio and record them, and then we go on tour for 10 months and learn how they're supposed to be played, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so they're they're all going to morph over time as you guys are doing shows. Um Speaking of which, you know, look, man, this has been the hardest, you know, two year period for musicians in the history of mankind with the pandemic and lockdowns and all that stuff. Are you guys hitting the road in support of this or or are you guys still just kind of waiting it out? So right now we are we don't know shows planned right now, which is the biggest, most devastating bummer for us. Um, It is not being able to play shows shaped like it basically shaped the direction our band was going to go. We're going to focus more on media because we we can't play shows. We were planning tours and we're planning, you know, album release shows, all this stuff, which just weren't, weren't possible at the time. Um, right now though, we are trying to book more shows. Um, we're probably not going to go on a tour until things get a little bit, you know, more calm and collective, but we definitely want to start playing local shows in, 
well, actually, not local, but to California, you know, but there's all kinds of places you can play in California and Sacramento, San Jose, San Francisco, and then all the way down to, to SoCal. But we definitely need to get some shows on the books as soon as we can. Um, but this is the first time that we're actually trying to engage in that where we, we've really just not even thought about shows for the last two years until now. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's just so sad. And, you know, I, I have a, a show this weekend actually, and it's the, the first live show that I've done since late 2019. You know, I mean, it was oh, wow. just, just like the world shut down and I was telling my bandmates, I was like, man, I have no idea if I'm going to know how to count off the first song. I mean, I really oh, don't gosh. like, I, I don't know if I remember how to do a show. Of course we've been rehearsing a little bit, but you know, I mean, it's just like it, it, those muscles, if you're not using them, they atrophy a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, when we do get on stage for the first time in, in a while, it's going to be weird just, just being up there and seeing the crowd. Cause we played two live sets. Um, we did a live set, uh, full band and then we did another live set acoustic. So, we, because we were just so desperate to physically play, you know what I mean? Not just play in, in the garage anymore. We wanted to, to actually play and and l- let somebody see us play. So we did, you know, a live acoustic set and then a live um, just full band set. And they were extremely fun, man, but we were just still in a room by ourselves with a camera. So you still don't have that, that live feeling. And it's, when you're doing a live set like that, the way that we did it, it's like, if we messed up on the song, we would just play it again and film it again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. can't do that live. So now I'm worried like, oh no, please don't mess up, you know, because it's not like those live show or the live sets that we play because we mess up. We can just stop and restart. You can't do that on stage in front of a crowd. Well, you can. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I guess. You, you can. It's not a good idea, but you certainly can. I mean, you know, I... I, I just know that, you know, I, I've train wrecked a couple of times in my career and I've been playing for 30 years and I've had a couple of train wrecks, like big ones. And, you know, after you do that in front of a couple thousand people, you don't do it anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like that's that's really the way to learn how not to screw up your band is like when you do it in front of a bunch of people, you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, Definitely learning to trial and error there. Yeah, for sure. Well, so you talked about doing a couple of live streams. You know, how is the new material, you know, how is it being received? Are you guys getting feedback already? You know, I know it's only been a few weeks since the stuff came out, but, you know, what's the reaction been thus far? Man, the reactions are honestly, like, every time people start commenting us, it blows our mind, man. Like, we never expect to get as much reaction as we, as we are getting, man. People, I mean, I'm sure there's people that hate it, but we're at least getting positive feedback. Thankfully, the people that hate it, there's a few haters that will comment, but most of the comments we're getting, man, are all positive. People saying they love it, they love the words, they love the music. Um, and it just means, it, it means so much, especially when you went into it with no expectations. Like, you didn't, going into it, not really caring if anybody liked it or not, and then receiving, like, an overwhelming amount of positive feedback is, is it's, it's overwhelming, you know, for me, because it's like, oh, man, I, I literally cannot believe that there's people out there who I don't even know. I've never met, never seen, I have no idea who they are. They don't know who I am. And they like this music enough to, you know, to, to email us or to, to DM us or to comment, you know, how much they love the song and how much it means to them. And um, from what I can tell, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that don't like it, but we are getting a lot of positive feedback, man. And it's, it is such an amazing feeling to, to see those responses. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, you guys deserve it. I mean, it's a good record. And, you know, I, I for for 
my listeners that that aren't familiar with you guys, and, and it's going to be a few, you know, I, is it fair of me to say, you know, it's kind of post hardcore, you know, post emo? I mean, is, is is that a fair genre to put you guys into? Absolutely, man. If I could only put it in one genre, I would say emo out above all, just because that seems to be like the general lane. Um, there's a lot of post hardcore elements because we love post hardcore ourselves. Um, there's some alternative elements, but absolutely. That's, that's what we label ourselves. You know, if anyone asks what genre we are, that's exactly what we're going to tell them. Well, so l- let me just say this, you know, if, if you're going to say, Hey, we're emo, you're going to have plenty of haters, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's just like, I, I think, you know, that, that crowd, that scene, is either all in or all out, right? I mean, I just, yeah. I, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's like Nickelback, right? You either love them <laughs> yep. or you hate them. There, there is nobody that's like, well, they're kind of okay. There's, there is no in between. So with, with emo, I feel like that's what you get. You know, there's some people that just get it and love it. And then there's others that are like, oh my God, this is terrible. So you're just, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're just going to have that. And you know, you didn't ask for my advice, but the haters man, print all those out and hang them up in your practice space. Trust me. Oh, absolutely. Dude, they're amazing, man. The haters are so funny. Uh, yeah, because we got a couple of hate comments, and you go and look at the profile picture. It's literally a tractor. It's like I didn't. I don't know if you were ever gonna like this, man. Like your your profile picture is a tractor. It's like this, this is like emo, <laughs> screamo, you know, sad boy music, and you seem like you're doing a lot of hard things all day. I was like, you probably weren't gonna like this to begin with. Well, but, uh, yeah, Matt. You know, if you if you wrote songs about sitting on the tailgate of your truck drinking, uh, you know, Natty Light, uh, he'd probably like it. You know, I mean, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, look, man, I've done my fair share of you know shitty country gigs over the years, you know, and I I don't particularly care for it, but sometimes you have to do it, and and that's what makes music so cool is everybody likes something different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, you can't satisfy everybody if you could all music would sound exactly the same oh yeah for sure you know so well so what's next for you guys i know it's kind of hard to say while we're still in the middle of a you know an unprecedented global health pandemic um it's hard to play shows you know and if you can play shows you you worry about you know am i making myself sick am i making somebody else sick um you know, I, I know you can't really answer it with any level of certainty, but you know, what, what is planned for down again for the rest of 21 and, and into 22? So, uh, oh man, the other guys might get mad if I say this, but I don't care. Uh, basically what is for sure, what hundred percent plan is album two. Um, we have music quite literally coming out of our asses now. We have more music than we know what to do with more music than can fit on any one album and we are ready for album two and that's going to be getting recorded and coming out as soon as possible. So that's the only thing we got on the books right now, as far as this is for sure happening. Um, but for the rest of the year, the only other thing that we're not sure of is we just want to play shows, man. And if we can get on a tour, we would love to set it up, but that's just the only thing where we're not sure how that's going to play out. Um, we'll definitely do everything we can to make sure shows and the tour happens. 
if it doesn't, you know, it is what it is in the state of this world, but um, we're going to try. But the only other thing planned that's for sure happening, no matter what, is album two is coming out. Well, that that's good to hear, man. Um, you know, I and I'm just curious, do you worry about oversaturation at all? Uh, no, only reason why is because we, our goal is just to keep writing music, man. And there's going to be a time I'm sure when we don't have anything to write and there might be a period where there's not any, any music coming out. Um, and since we're, our whole goal again is just to, just to satisfy ourselves, you know, not, not really worry about anything on the outside. Um, so we're just going to keep writing records and, and putting them out, not as fast as we can, but as fast as they come. And if they come to us fast and they're going to get put out fast. No, I mean, that's, I think that's a, a you know, a, a good strategy. I mean, there, there's so many bands out there that haven't written anything new for 30 years and they're still touring every year, you know? Yep. Yep. So, so uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, the so, one thing that we're not going to do though, um, like I said, we, we don't just write in our opinion, you know, we don't, if we know when a song is bad or not, we're not going to put out a song that's bad that, that we don't like. That's why we took a 21, you know, songs and, and trimmed it down to 13. Um, and uh, that's what we're going to do with all future records. Basically, you know, we, we write a bunch of music that we want to write. And then from there, we'll fine tune everything and put the best of the best on the album. Um, there's basically our albums. They're never going to be, a, there's not going to be a filler song. You know, we're not going to have, Oh, wow. We really got to get to 12 songs. So we got to write something real quick. Like that's not going to be our problem. We're going to wait till we have more songs, you know, to pick from and then make sure we're picking the best of the best every time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you have to approach it that way. You can't put, you know, uh, a filler on records because especially nowadays, you know, and I, I don't know that people buy records anymore, like a full album. They, you know, I, I, I just don't know how easy it is to get people's attention for 45 minutes or an hour. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's not like it was in the seventies where people bought a record and they listened to it as soon as they got home. I, I just, I don't think our attention span collectively is there anymore. Um, and I probably should have asked this earlier, but are you guys self-producing your releases or are you working with a producer? We do have the greatest producer that ever lived. His name is Nick Loicano. Um, he's a Spank Studios in San Mateo, California. Um, we write all the songs, bring them to him. And throughout the recording process, man, he'll tell us like, he, he doesn't spare feelings. He's like, this is dog shit. We're like, okay, make sure the dog shit must be dog shit. And, uh, or he'll be like, here, you guys should do this instead of that. And just these little changes, man, like go so far. Um, he is a drum just wizard, man. And without him, the albums, none of our songs would really be as good as they can be, man. He tuned my drum set. I mean, I, I got to ask him what he did because he tuned the top head to a note, the bottom head to a different note. That way it resonated in B, which was just the most insane thing I've ever even seen. And the drums just sounded so crazy, man. Like just listening to the raw drums that I had actually never heard like an acoustic set sound as good as mine when our producer, Nick Condo, or we actually used the studio kit, but so I've never heard a drum set sound that good as when, you know, Nick tuned it to resonate in B, man. It just blew my mind. Yeah. He, he adds so much to the record. Well, I mean, I think there is no substitute for good ears in the music industry, right? And if you can team up with somebody that has great ears that can help you in that way, it, I mean, it's only beneficial. And, you know, I, I, I'm just going to say the new EP sounds phenomenal. 
So I, I don't know what kind of, you know, magic sprinkles he put on it, but it sounds really, really good. Yeah, he, uh, he's, he's got the sprinkles there. Uh, just another little thing he did. We had uh, the song Fire. There's a moment where it's like a, some really fast double bass and there's like a musical break and there's just like a, a guitar playing in the background. We were recording it the way that it was originally written and he was basically like, no, that's, that's lame. Let's do, you know, this chord instead. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that already sounds better. He's like, no, wait. And then on top of that, we're going to do a, a harmony chord d- down here. It, it took this one moment that was actually pretty dull before and just blew it out of the water with what with what he his little suggestion man it was just it brought so much to the table and makes the record so good especially because he knows more about drums than me you know i'm the drummer and him being able to to really like help me through the drums like oh let's try this instead of this and it just it adds so much yeah for sure man well let, let me tell you this i've been doing this for a long long time when i go into the studio if i'm the guy in the room that knows the most about drums i'm in the wrong room Yep. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I want the guys that know more than me to be around me when I'm committing something to tape for the rest of my life, you know? Um, yeah. So having a guy like that will pay huge dividends for you over the years. Um, well, cool, man. Well, listen, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Um, keep Keep me posted for sure on everything that you got going on. And, you know, it, when and if the, the next record is ready, you know, send me an advance copy. We'll have you back to talk about that one, too, man. This has been a cool hang. Heck, yeah, absolutely, man. We'll definitely keep you in the loop. All right. I appreciate it, man. Well, listen, uh, tell everybody where they can find more info on the band and, and social links and all that good stuff. Right now, the best socials for the band are Facebook and Instagram. Um, down again band just search down again band all of our music is on spotify apple music and anywhere that you can stream music you can find our music we do have a website uh, downagainbandca.com um but right now the best place to to catch up with what's going on is, is instagram and, and facebook cool man well listen if the uh, tour brings you through the american southeast let me know um you know Absolutely. i'm kind of centrally located in the southern states here so you guys get over this way for sure let me know and i'll come out and check out a show but i look forward to see what you guys have coming out here over the next few years and i wish you uh, a lot of luck lucas awesome thank you man yeah for sure man we'll talk to you real soon yep all right all right guys and girls that's going to wrap up episode 138 of the drum shuffle podcast as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you listening week in and week out. It is simply the reason for our existence. As I ask every single week, go ahead and follow us on social media. Uh, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen in. Uh, we do have a Twitter account. We have a Facebook page. Uh, all of those great things. Follow us. But the biggest thing you can do to help us out over here at the Drum Shuffle is to send a link to a friend. Uh, if you know of somebody that's into drumming and rock music uh, and, and may get something out of the podcast, send them a link. It costs you nothing, but it helps us tremendously. And we appreciate and applaud your efforts there. We answer every single email that we get here at the podcast. Our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. 
Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And as always, you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Your homework assignment stays the same. Go see a live band this week before live music all goes away if it is safe for you to do so. Keep rocking out there. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>